know, there's some of you that are probably sitting there this morning going, wait, there's five people up there. There's, there's a huge announcement coming. And I just want to kind of set you at ease this morning so you can actually hear the word that we're, that we're going to share is there's, there's no huge moment coming. We're not going to drop this bomb uh, on you. Um, but we did feel like it was a moment of clarity uh, where, hey, as, as a team, we want to we want to share some things that our elders have been praying into, that some of our lead pastors have been praying into. We want to think about what it means to be a church uh, in, in this season. I kept thinking back to this moment from my life that, you know, you guys are some of my closest friends, and you remember this time in, in our life personally as a family. Those of you that have been a part of our church for a long time, maybe you remember this moment uh, for my household, uh, I guess four or five years ago, where God took us on uh, this adventure of uncertainty as we reflect back on it. You know, most of our friends thought we were losing our mind. And, you know, we sold our house and we didn't know where we were going next. We just felt God had asked us to sell our house. And so we sold our house. It was a great market to sell your house in Nashville. We sold it in one day. Had no idea where we were going next. And over that, the I course- forgot, I forgot it was in one day. Yeah, it was one day. And we're like, we don't, we don't know where we're going next. And people were coming up and they're like, hey, are you guys leaving Nashville? Are you leaving Ethos? We said, we don't know what we're doing. We're just trying to obey God in the moment. And we went through this season where our family, over the course of a year, we moved several times, and we were out of the country uh, quite a bit. We're kind of back and forth, and I remember uh, this this one moment in particular, uh, kind of in that season of our life. You know, we, we were learning what all of us learn in adventure, that it's it's partially exciting, it's partially terrifying when you're facing all this uncertainty. And I remember this one moment in particular, our family was in the third different house that we had lived in in a very short window of time. We lived in a college dormitory, we lived with friends, you know. <laughs> Um, which if you want to feel kind of a low moment as a guy in your mid-30s, move your family back into a dorm. But that's, that's what we had done. And we'd been in a dorm. And then we moved into this friend's house. And all of our stuff was in storage, or most of our stuff was in storage. We'd been living out of suitcases for uh, months and months at a time. And I remember looking at Sydney going, hey, is there any point in even unpacking? You know, is there any, is there any point in getting to know our neighbors? Is there any point in doing all of the stuff that we normally do? Because... All of the uncertainty that was before us had kind of paralyzed us in the moment that we were in. And I think one of the things that we were wrestling with, you know, that's four or five years ago now, but one of the things we were wrestling with in that season is how do you go all in in the moment that you're in when you don't know what's coming tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And I've, I've thought back on that moment, you know, where Sydney and I were, we were in that house that night. We just kind of had to decide, hey, yeah. we don't know if we're going to be in this house or in this neighborhood for two weeks or two months or two years. But we feel like we owe it to God and we owe it to ourselves to be all in. It's time to unpack the suitcases. I went to, to U-Haul and got some boxes and turned them into Chester drawers and <laughs> we're filling them up with clothes. I'm like, hey, we're just we're going to be all in, in in this moment that we're in. And, and I've been thinking about that as a church. I mean, even when when this pandemic kind of hit us and, and it was like, hey, are we going to be in this for two weeks or two months or six months or depending on which news article you read, you know, 50 years, like this, this is the rest of life. And I think I think some of us, including myself and maybe you sitting at home, there's been this sense all along the way of, hey, should we unpack the suitcases or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should, should, should we go all in in the place that, that God has us? And I'd just love to hear from you guys for just a moment. Um, where have you experienced some of that paralysis that's come in this season of you don't know what tomorrow holds and so you don't know what to do with today? Like, you know, have you, have you experienced that with, with your family? No, or? Absolutely. I, I think... Even just communicating, trying to communicate with my family. Um, so, um, like for example, we have a vacation planned at the end of this month that my kids know nothing about until this moment. If you're watching, <laughs> hey guys, uh, sorry, Amy. Congrats, <laughs> you went on vacation to Disney World. <laughs> no, we're not going to Disney World. 
<laughs> He's taking you to Disney World. Dave, <laughs> Dave's paying for it. Man. We're not going to Disney World. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, no, we've had this vacation planned for the end of September, and we have not told our kids. And it feels like there's this check on our, we don't want to tell them because we're like, are we really going to get to do right, that? Right. So in the moment, like, there have been so many moments where we'll start talking about it and Amy will hit me. She's like, oh, she's really, she, she would be hitting me right now if she was sitting here. But we can't even communicate fully about our plans right now because we just don't know. It's like, are we going to go? We think we're going to go. Like, the plans are there. But man, who knows what's going to happen between now and then. So everything feels tentative, which ends up impacting the way we talk about everything with our kids, yes. with each other. And there's always this, like, I found that even in sharing plans with other people, with friends, I'm like, yeah, well, we might do this. It's, we're holding it open-handed. It's just open That's been, like, the phrase. Which you know, our, our culture was already the most non-committal culture on earth. I mean, like, before <laughs> so this hit, like, nobody would commit to anything. But now you felt that, right, mm-hmm. in, in this season? Yeah. Anybody else where you just felt the paralysis? Yeah, I felt it. I, I think about early on come back in March and April, you know, I try to, like, when we go to the grocery store or whatever, I try to interact with people, right? Talk to people. And I realized people don't want to talk to strangers, especially in, like, an uncomfortable place. And so I realized, oh, man, am I going to have to put mission on pause? Like, mm-hmm. people aren't comfortable talking. They're not comfortable being around me. Like, who's this stranger trying to, like, you know, yeah. ask what's going on in my life? And, and just kind of realizing, oh, that's a shock. Like, there was some of that before. Mm-hmm. People just kind of keep at arm's length. But even so much more when they think yeah. that you're carrying this disease that's going to kill them and their family, right? Like, it's sort of stranger yeah. danger on steroids. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you wear that mask that you have with the fangs on it, that one that you always... <laughs> no. yeah. You know, that's I, a joke. You don't wear a fang mask. It's much worse. It's much worse. And I, I think about just the way this has even felt within our church. I think about how many times, you know, our elders and our team have prayed through next steps and we were ready to roll them out and then something changes and just obliterates the plans. You know, 2020 is the place where good plans go to die. And I think back to this one moment at the end of June, early July, where it looked like things were getting ready to return to normal, whatever that means. And we had this huge plan for how we were gonna announce to our church, you know, we're back in our venues on Sundays. You know, we're gonna announce that for the end of July. We were so we were just young and naive at that point. Yeah, you know what I mean? That was before 2020 had totally destroyed our hopes and dreams. And, and literally four days before we were getting ready to share those plans, things totally shifted in the city and our venue said, hey, you can't meet here um, for any time in the foreseeable future. And just the deflating reality. Mm-hmm. There's been so many moments where I have felt that same feeling that Sydney and I experienced years ago, standing in that house after we had moved three or four times, looking at those suitcases going, hey, should we unpack? Should we go all in? And I think one of the things that has been stirring in our spirit collectively is man, it, it's time to go all in. Uh, it, it's time to go all in in the place where God has put us and to say, hey, God, what do you want to do in us and through us and for the sake of those that are around us? And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I have no desire to look back on 2020 and go, man, that was a year where we just forfeited the mission. That was a year where we mm-hmm. forfeited our community. Like, guys, God is calling us to more. And, you know, it's, it's been so timely for me even to walk through the book of James together. James has been like that friend that I really needed. I don't know if you've ever gone through a hard time and you found an older friend that's been there before you and they just speak wisdom into your life, but James has really been that. You know, we shared this several weeks ago when we started this book. We said, here's James, the the half-brother of Jesus, who after the resurrection becomes this really key leader in the church in Jerusalem. 
And for the first few years, he's leading this mega church, you know, conservative estimates, more than 20,000 people meeting in the temple, gathering in homes, people being healed, all this incredible stuff is happening. And then there's this moment in Acts chapter 7 and 8 where Stephen is persecuted. He's martyred. The church is persecuted and it says they're scattered. Everybody has to flee the city. They lose their jobs. They lose their homes. They're losing their lives. And now James is trying to figure out, how do I lead in this moment that I never saw coming? Mm-hmm. And he writes this letter. And if you remember how it started, you know, some folks from our church just read that over. He says, he says the people of God that have been scattered. And, and he's writing to these people that have been scattered, and there's all these things that he talks about, you know, what it looks like to persevere in the scattering, what it looks like to be shaped by trial, what it looks like to receive godly wisdom when you don't know what, where to put your next foot in front of the other, how to take the next step. He's just talking about, hey, how do you, right. how do you live this out? And there's this one verse I just want to read over us this morning out of James chapter 1. If you have a Bible, look at verse 25 with me. You know, we read this last week, but there's something about this verse that just struck me, uh, like in a fresh way. He says, Whoever looks into the perfect law of God that gives, listen to this, it gives freedom. You know, I don't know if you write in your Bibles, you should just underline that word. He says it gives freedom. The word that gives freedom. And whoever continues in it, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And, you know, we believe there's this beautiful invitation from James where, where he says, hey, if, if you will live out the ways of God, if you will live out the ways of God together, there's freedom, <laughs> there's life, there's <clears throat> blessing. Like, he doesn't look at the scattered church and go, hey, guys, we just have to hang on for dear life until one day it's all kind of put back. He's like, no, guys, when you walk in communal obedience to King Jesus, to his words and his ways, yeah. there's life, there's freedom, there's blessing, there's mission. That's all right. this. So, like, when, when James is, like, looking out of the future, what he sees is opportunity. And, and that's what I want us to primarily wrestle with this morning, the opportunity that we see in front of us. But, but honestly, before we get there, I, I do want to stop and just go, hey, what have you been grieving in this season? Because if we just jump to opportunity, but we don't sure. stop to name some of the places where we felt grief, honestly, it's hard to even see the opportunity. And so I, I don't want to just go past that. But, you know, Brandon, I'll start with you. Yeah. You know, we're going to get to what James is talking about here opportunity, the blessing, the freedom, but but what have you missed? Where have you felt grief over the last yeah. six months or so? That's a great question. I've, I've missed just the milestones of getting to hit with people, right? Like, think about how many graduated from college. We didn't get to send you off. Some that we'll like never get to see again in person. That's sad to think mm. about. Or like this huge wave of students and new people that moved to Nashville. And we're not getting to see you face to face. Like, who knows when that's going to happen? And, yeah. and grieving, not getting to, to meet new children and and uh, to celebrate weddings, there's like all these milestones that are so important that connect you with people. And I just realized, oh, I've, been, I've missed that. I've missed that from you, getting to celebrate those moments in life. Yeah, the number of babies that have been born in our church yeah. over the last season that I haven't gotten to hold yet. Yeah, It's just so, it's so strange. And um, yeah, who else, what, what are you guys grieving? What are you? Well, it's not just those big milestones. I think what, what I've grieved in the last six months has been that those just kind of every week interactions where you're, you're just knowing what's going on in people's lives. You have those just weekly touch points where you're able to just connect and and understand. I've seen different posts of people and different hearing different things about, oh, hey, I bought a house or hey, all these things. I'm like, I can't even believe that I don't know some of the stuff that's happening in people's lives. So I'm going to coffee with people and I'm having phone calls with people and it's like, we have to play catch up, you know, for, for 
hey, what's happened the last three months of, of your and your family's life? And so that's that's been hard. I've, I've really grieved just okay, the every day. That. Yeah, I've missed, uh, I mean, I just miss hugging people, honestly. Just like when people would walk up to the Ruby, just be able to be like, it's been seven days, but I've, I've actually missed you. Like, yeah. just like bring it in. And seven days, that used to be a long stretch. That used to be a long time. <laughs> I haven't like, seen you in a week. Tell me about your life, what's happened. And, um, and then I've also missed, you know, Hillsborough Village. I think we were doing this at all, all the campuses, but after a teaching, we'd take communion. We'd circle up in groups of three to five, and without any fear, we would just get close to one another and talk about the sermon right, because right. We, we believed that we needed to talk through it to, to really participate with the gospel. And then they just put their arms around each other and pray. And I haven't heard a room sound like that since mm-hmm. March. And the sound of people just without restraint coming together, no hesitation, yeah. and just praying mm-hmm. together. My goodness, I miss that. Yeah. That hurts my feelings, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Man, I, I think about, for me, one of the biggest things that I've, I've been grieving is even just the simple act of being you know, with the church on a Sunday with my wife, like sitting next to Amy and worshiping yeah. um, and and knowing that my kids are in the same place. I'm going to go pick them up and they're going to come back and holding m- one of my daughters while I worship the Lord, you know, and uh, I just, I miss that. Like I miss, and, and I, I grieve it for Amy and for all of our wives who on Sundays when we're here, they're at home by themselves with our kids. I don't know how hard that's been on them. We love you. And, uh, man, I, I just, that's just been heavy. Like, I miss that so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, it's weird. I think grief so often it feels like this wave in the ocean that you didn't see coming. You know, I don't know if you've ever been standing in the ocean and all of a sudden you get hit in the back with a wave. And I thought, man, where did that come from? And I've felt that over this last season even sure. where there's just days I'll kind of wake up sad. I don't even know why. I think, uh, I think about a moment uh, two Sundays ago. I woke up. I was trying to get ready to preach, and I just I felt depressed. And so I'm texting our elders. I'm like, I need you guys to pray for me. And I realized, you know, it was the Sunday where typically all of our college students are coming back and where we're launching house churches and where we're doing baptisms. And, and it was that Sunday that, you know, I thought, man, a year ago, this is like one of my favorite days of the year. Mm-hmm. And here we are getting ready to show up in this basement in the bottom of our office, getting ready to look at a screen, not be with people. And... And I just I feel the grief, and I think it's important for us to acknowledge that because, mm-hmm. you know, James is writing to people that were grieving. And I just want to say this clearly. I don't think this is negating what we're going through. These are people that are grieving something much more difficult than what we're grieving. Right. Yeah. They're grieving loss of life, loss of homes, loss of job, loss of um, identity in some ways. I mean, they've been so disrupted with no sense that it was going to return to normal any time in their lifetime. So... Uh, they weren't even in the midst of it saying, hey, just hold on for a year. I mean, they were going, how do we, how do we reconfigure the way that we do life? And it's, it's important mm-hmm. for me to, to remember that James is writing to people that are grieving. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, he doesn't stop with their pain. He comes to them with this, this place of opportunity. And he says, it's what we read in verse 25. He says, hey, if you will keep looking into the Word of God yes. intently, but not just looking at the word, but like putting it into practice in the context of your life. There is freedom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is life. There That's is right. blessing. Like God is going to do something really significant in you. And and when I think about the next few weeks or next few months for our church family, even as we look into the uncertainty right. of what is out of our control, when I look at it, I feel that mixture of both grief and opportunity. And I'm really excited about what I sense God is doing, what God is going to do. So moved by that. And yet I also feel that stirring up. And so if you're at home today and you're feeling some of that as well, we just want to say you're so normal and and, and that's okay. But we do want to talk about some of the opportunity 
that we see before us as we think about how do we live into, like how do we live into mm-hmm. this mission that God has given us right here yep. and right now. And so I just kind of want to start with the headline, you know, because you're going, hey, what's the announcement? You know, <laughs> something huge, you know. Um, here, here's here's the short version of it. Everybody keeps asking. I get this both questions almost every day. Are we going to keep meeting online? Because that's the smart thing to do. That's the healthy thing to do. And then we have other people going, when are we getting together in person? And I go, you two are friends in the same church, yet you're living on different planets. But that's just the reality. We've all experienced that. Yeah. And so people keep asking that question. Are we going to keep doing online? Are we going to start getting together in person? And the answer is yes. Yes. Like we're, um, We believe both of these realities are going to play a really significant part, uh, at least in our immediate future together. And, and we believe there's actually some, some deeper steps that we want to take together in both of these realms. And so let's start with what we're going to do together on Sunday mornings, uh, at least for the next couple of weeks or couple of months. And I, I say that pretty open-handedly because we know mm-hmm. things could change. Um, but I want to remind you of something, especially if you're new to our church. You know, uh, you're maybe looking at other churches in the city and you're going, hey, wait, they're already back in person. Or they're beginning to meet back in their buildings. How come we aren't doing that? And I go, well, part of it is because they own their buildings. <laughs> and when you own the places you meet in... If you it, want to make us a bi- uh, an owner of a building, yeah. you're welcome to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Today's actually us rolling out a building. <laughs> Ethoskip.org. <laughs> At the end of this, there's going to be a blinking button for you to click on. Now, um, you know, when, when you own a building, there's actually a lot of freedom and leeway that you have in some of the city guidelines. Uh, but not only are we operating under the city guidelines, we're actually, we meet in venues that have been under the highest level of scrutiny um, with the city guidelines. And up until 10 days ago, um, our venues were not even allowed to open their doors to us. And so it's not like we've been sitting around going, hey, what do we want to do, guys? <laughs> like, uh, you know, part of this reality on Sundays, what we've been doing with the live stream uh, has has been our response to the cards that we've been dealt. Mm-hmm. Going, hey, how do, how do we... How, how do we play those cards to the best of our uh, ability? And we're going to talk about some of the opportunities we have now that as the city is beginning to open up. But I do want to talk about Sunday mornings and, and why we still believe this 10 a.m. moment on the live stream together is so significant. So, Brandon, I'd love for you to just speak into why do you think it matters that we keep coming together, that we keep offering this opportunity online? Why is that significant toward our mission? I think it keeps us connected. It keeps us focused. Like we're all scattered and distant. And this is a, the place that brings us together. It reminds us what we're doing together. That Though we are scattered, like it's our job to keep loving God and people and this movement thing. And so when we come together and we gather around this, it reminds us. It's just kind of this, this shared sense of, oh, this is what we... This is what matters. This is what, mm-hmm. this is what connects us to each one, to each other. Yes. We're family. Yes, and so we, we see this this live stream, this moment on Sunday mornings. Um, this isn't the whole spiritual meal. Right. right. Like if, if this is the only place where you're feasting on the Word of God, is if this is the only place where you're worshiping, um, you're gonna you're gonna live a life that is spiritually malnourished. Um, but that that's always been true. That was true when we were able to meet that's in our right, venues. Right. Yeah. Um, we've always recognized that this little hour is not enough, but it is a place to keep the people of God moving together. So, in the weeks and months ahead, one of the things we're going to continue to do is to gather online at, at 10 a.m. But one of the the real significant steps that we want to make is how we go about worshiping together. Yeah. You know, so it's not, you know, I said, we're, are we going to do online or in person? It's going to be a both. And, you know, Aaron and Joshua and Andrew, you guys have been really working creatively to go, how do we be- begin to bring some of these worlds together in yeah. this unusual season? Mm-hmm. I think about 
uh, our house churches. Uh, that's what we've always referred to kind of our small group ministry as, these smaller gatherings where people get together in the middle of the week. You guys have been thinking creatively about how do we bring kind of our house churches and our Sunday live stream moment together. Right. I'd love for you guys to speak yeah. into that. <clears throat> yeah, as we've looked at the fall, um, we've felt that same just hunger for something that feels stable, predictable, exactly. normal, you know, like routine, all these things that we miss out on. And, sure. um, you know, what's interesting is that in our culture, typically the, 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 the biggest event is the one that feels the most stable. Any event or gathering or whatever that's really large, we go, man, that thing's not moving. <laughs> this is why back in March when the NBA playoffs got canceled, we all were like, <laughs> what is happening right now? Because it's this huge event in our culture that feels like it shouldn't be able to move. And yet what we've seen in 2020 is that in reality, the bigger something is, the more likely it is right. to get canceled, to get postponed or whatever. And, yep. you know, but the nature of the church, you think about the church, the church has been around for 2000 years. Mm -hmm. and, and the nature of the church is one of endurance. Like the church has endured every right. single challenging season that has come its way over the course of 2000 years. And, and this year, as we, as we look ahead of the fall, we go, man, what is the thing that we can really invest in that will endure? Mm -hmm. What is the, the expression of God's people that will endure uh, beyond what we're in right now? And really, we think that pouring ourselves into and investing in that which is smaller is actually going to pay off some huge dividends for our church family. And, you know, and this has been true for the church uh, over the last 2,000 years. I mean, uh, I, th I think about the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter. You know, really around the time this book of James was written, these guys were being arrested and thrown into jail. And I don't know if, if you've been to Rome before, maybe you've seen the Mamertine prison. It's the place where Peter and Paul were both held. It's basically a pit in the ground. It's so brink. Yeah, you stand there. It's just, it is a, it's literally a cave dug out of the rock that they're dropped into. Mm -hmm. And even that, that kind of persecution did not stop the church. Mm -hmm. Like the stories right. that you hear of Peter and Paul, they were worshiping, they were baptizing in that little prison cell. They were converting Roman soldiers to be followers of Jesus. <laughs> it was like, this little small expression became something that had eternal implications. Uh, I think about Corrie ten Boom, who was a follower of Jesus. Her family were followers of Jesus in Nazi Germany. And um, you can read about her story in a book called The Hiding Place. But her and her family, they would hide uh, Jews in their house from Nazis that were searching for them. And eventually they got caught. They get sent to a concentration camp. And one of the stories that she writes about is at a concentration camp, they're still sharing the gospel. And there's this moment where the, the cabin that they're staying in is infested with fleas. And it's, the infestation is so bad that the Nazi soldiers that were patrolling this concentration camp don't want to go in there because of the fleas, which gave them complete freedom to share the gospel with the people. And there's this moment where she begins to praise God for the fleas mm -hmm. because it gave her opportunity to invest in what is eternal. You know, And this is just what the church has always done. In modern-day Iran, fastest-growing church in the world, they have to meet in small groups. And so what we're experiencing is really the nature of the church. And so as we look at the fall, we go, how do we invest? in that which will endure. And we believe investing in the smaller expressions of our family is going to serve us and endure beyond the moment that we're in. And so what we're kind of going to be talking about here is something that we're calling ethos at home gatherings, kind of combining this element of at home that we've been doing all year with this language of our gatherings. What we used to talk about is what we call our gatherings at all of our campuses. And so we're kind of rolling out ethos at home gatherings this morning. Yeah, you know, one of the things that we say at, at Open House, uh, which is where you come to, to join ethos or learn more about um, ethos church and which that's coming up that's right. Tuesday. So Tuesday night, Tuesday night uh, <laughs> come to open house. If you want to join our church or learn more about our church. But one of the things that we say, Hey, if you're going to be a member here, you need to agree to this 
that everything will change mm-hmm. except for the gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, just know, like, like we, we would tell stories about how the venue would shut down for one week at random. We had to meet somewhere else, and we thought that was crazy. Um, but now, here we are. You know, it's been six months. But, but there's this understanding that, man, the world will change. Our circumstances will change. But we want our people and our church to be postured in a way that goes, God, when something changes, I understand intuitively that this is an opportunity for the gospel to advance in a unique way, that the gospel has not been hindered. It's the same gospel, and it is so malleable, it forms to whatever its environment is. And so, you know, something like at-home gatherings, people are going, well, what if I don't want people in my home? Well, that's okay. Like, we've heard of people gathering in parks yeah. and in backyards, and yeah. it's a cool thing about you know where we're at in technology. You can take that live stream with you, depending on your data plan. And, <laughs> you know, but you can... You can take that to, to wherever else, wherever you want to go. And so um, we don't see this as like a moment where we're going, hey, we wanted to give you the gold medal, but here's the silver. It's like we're not saying we're not taking a step down. We actually believe that if we'll take right. hold of yeah. this, that the gospel's not going anywhere, right. and we'll adjust to it. There's some really cool opportunities. Yeah. And we've wrestled with that tension of, you know, utilizing this tool where we're, you know, we're encouraging people to to gather around a screen. And honestly, most of the time, I'm encouraging people to, to get away from the screen as much as possible. And I think there's this, uh, there's still, there's something in us where we believe, hey, church is when we go to a certain place. And I think what we've been sensing and, and feeling is, okay, the church is wherever the gathered body of yeah. Christ is. Yes. And so how can we begin to just start living into these rhythm, rhythms in this moment that we're, that we're in. And so one of the things we thought about, okay, we want to make sure that people aren't just simply, you know, either just watching a live stream yes. or hosting a watch party, but they're actually being yeah. the gathered body yes. of Christ. And we're going to utilize this tool to equip and help and uh, you know, encourage people. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, in some new ways, even making some adjustments along the way, yeah. going, how do yeah. we leverage this so it's not just something we consume, yeah, gosh, but it's yeah. something that connects us as we participate yeah. in worship together. And I go, can you imagine what would happen if the American church began to believe in the power of small gatherings as much as Jesus does? Oh my goodness. I mean, just imagine what would happen if we went, you know what, Jesus, we think you're the smartest person that ever lived. Mm. And that you poured the lion's share of your energy into smaller gatherings, not as a, not as a, uh, a way of defeat, but uh, because you believed that that was the place where most transformation and breakthrough actually mm, so good. Um, happened. It, you know, Aaron, as, as we think about this, give us a little more detail. Yeah. Um, you know, what does this look like? Are you mm-hmm. saying we should just, you know, bring some friends over to our house, get our house church yeah. together? And what's the next step? That- yeah. You know, in, in reality, a lot of our churches have already been doing this. I've talked to so many of you house church leaders that have kind of shifted the focus of your house church to a Sunday morning gathering and gathering in your home. And I've heard so many great stories of you breaking bread and, and worshiping together and praying for each other. House, one house church is doing this in a park. You know, it's already happening. But really what we're asking is we want everybody in our church to consider kind of two options. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, we would love for as many of you as possible to host an at-home gathering. Okay, And, and all that means is you're going to take the initiative of inviting some people in. Whether it's in your living room or whether it's outside in your backyard or in a park, but you're going to invite some people to come join you as you worship the Lord, open the Word, take communion, pray for one another, uh, give towards the mission of God. We want you to invite people into your space to be able to do that. And so if if that's you and you want to host, man, we're not going to like hang you out to dry and just ask you to do this and not help you. We want to provide resources. Uh, we've got some stuff already online at ethoschurch.org slash at home. 
So if you want to host, there's a short resource page on there, some frequently asked questions, some guidelines. Uh, we want to help you do that. And if you want to host, man, we encourage you on that website, there's a button where you can click, I want to host. It's you digitally raising your hand and letting us know that you're going to host an at-home gathering uh, uh, right there where you are. And for some of you, hosting may not feel like an option. Uh, maybe you go, man, my space isn't conducive to this, or I've never done this before, I don't know how to, and that's totally fine. What we want to encourage you to do is to join. If you can't host, join an at-home gathering. Find someone who can host and join them, not just in showing up, but join them in inviting others to come. Join them in worship, participate together as the body of Jesus. And so all of that, all the resources that are there are at ethoschurch.org slash at home. And we're going to continue to try to help you with that. And we, we hope to hear from many of you today that you're raising your hand going, man, I'm in. We, we hope that next week nobody will worship in their home alone, that our whole church will find some place to connect in community. And for, for clarity's sake there, you know, in the past, when you wanted to be a house church leader, we put you on our website, and you could go sign up for your house. But when we're saying raise your hand to host, we just want to know you're doing it. Yeah. But it's on you to, to ask Invite. your neighbors, yeah. to ask your friends, to ask your coworkers. That's what we're, we're asking you to do. Yeah. yeah, and so, you know, today it could be as simple as you just sending a text message to one of your friends saying, hey, let's get together next week. That's right. Or inviting another family over or a neighbor that, you know, it, it doesn't have to be very complicated, but that's one of the steps simple. that... Simple is better. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the steps that we're going to take that's in this right. next season. And you may be sitting at home going, wait, so did they just announce that we're never, ever meeting again <laughs> on Sunday mornings in our venues? Like, are they done? No, that's not what we just announced. Like, don't read between any lines. The reality is, as of today, like, our venues still are not uh, opening up their spaces to us on Sundays. And we're going, okay, that's that's where we're at. Let's just, let's take a step. And so on Sunday mornings, that's what we're going to do together. But I'm excited because there's so many other ways yeah. that we're getting to actually move toward yeah. being together, not just getting people in our homes, but actually getting together in some larger spaces. Brandon, I'd love for you to speak into what's happening this Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to happen this Wednesday. And and two Wednesdays from now, and then hopefully it's going to continue to happen. That's Speaking right. to our worship nights. Yeah, so the venues opened up to us middle of the week for groups of 125 or less to come together and worship. So this is amazing to think that for the first time in six months, <laughs> people are more than 12 or 15 people are going to be able to get together. And so, yeah, we're going to just try this out this Wednesday night and then September 30th just to see how things go, to learn. And, yeah, hopefully that we'll get to keep leaning into this um, for, for bigger groups of people. Yeah, and this Wednesday sold out. Our free tickets yeah. went out in an hour. So yeah. we hear you. We're so glad you're eager. Yeah. <laughs> just a heads up. So September 30th, keep your eyes open. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, don't be discouraged because yeah. the, the prayer, the goal is that we get to continue to increase right. these opportunities. We're, we're doing these with our midweek worship nights. I'm starting tonight at 7 p.m., our prayer gathering is back in person at our offices off of 8th Avenue. Once again, because of guidelines, you have to sign up. We'll also be offering that online, you know, yeah. our, our Zoom link so you can join from at home or in person. And, you know, this is one of those weird new rhythms for us where you go, we've never had to sign up for church before. <laughs> I go, I hope that's not forever, but that is for right now. Right. And and that's one of the things. Same, same thing with service opportunities that we mentioned earlier. You know, service opportunities today, this afternoon, and next week with youth encouragement services. Next week, uh, we're going to roll out our, our plans for grow classes, some of them online and some of them in person. Yeah. And here, here's what I want you to hear. You know, in this, in this last six months, it's been so easy to fixate on what we can't do. But, but I want us to really see all of the things that we can do. And, and what we can do right now is we can open up our homes and our lives to one another. What we can do is gather throughout the week 
for worship gatherings in our venues and in parks and in backyards. What we can do is get together and grow classes and come together for prayer. What we can do is live on mission with our friends that don't yet know and trust and follow Jesus. There are so many things that we can do. Uh, basically, the only thing we can't do right now is utilize our venues on Sunday mornings. And when I really put that in perspective, I go, man, God, what is it that you want to do? Mm-hmm. And, and what is it that you're moving us toward? And if you haven't heard this like very clearly this morning, like, we're not just asking you to do this. We believe that you were made to do this. We believe that God right. has put you in a place to not just be a part of our church, but to actually be the church, to yeah. live it out together. And I think about you know what Home Depot always says. You know they say, "Hey, you can do it. We can help." And uh, they don't really know me, so that doesn't. You know, I show up at Home Depot. I'm like, I can't really do anything, no matter how much you help me. But spiritually speaking, that's true. Like we believe. Mm. We believe that you can live, and you are living as the body of Christ, yeah. and our team is here. Right. We want to help That's you right. take That's some right. of those next steps. And I think it's what James was talking about when he looks out at this scattered church mm-hmm. that's grieving, that's trying to reorient to the world that's like radically shifted around him. He says, hey, listen, in community, guys, if you keep li- looking into this perfect word that gives freedom and life, but not just like looking into it, like together, going, how do we live this thing out? He says, if you do that. Mm-hmm. You experience freedom mm-hmm. and right. blessing. And, right. and so th- that's what we want to invite you into. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we would expand our understanding of what it means to be a church, you know, uh, uh, just a few short months ago, being a part of Ethos meant you showed up at a building on a Sunday morning and then you got to house church and then you served in the city. Mm-hmm. And in this season, it's, it's kind of the same but totally different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it means instead of maybe showing up at one of our venues, you're going to somebody's house on a Sunday morning. And then throughout another, the week, another dorm room, or yeah, or another dorm room, or a park, or yeah. or it means that during the week you're getting together and you're eating that meal with your house church and you're fellowshipping and going deeper. It, it, it means that you're serving and you're leaning mm-hmm. in, and and we believe that as we stay moldable and adaptable, that everything will change except the gospel, and that's good news because Jesus is still moving things forward. That's right. And so as we wrap up and get ready for communion this morning, we know there's lots of questions, and you're going, hey, but what about this, and what's it mean? You know, um, I just want to say this very clearly from our heart to yours. One, our goal is uh, we want to keep communicating with you about it. But we're also sorry because I, I think I recognize there's some areas where, you know, we've never we've never led through this. And uh, sh- shocker, you know, we've, we've never led through a global pandemic. And, and there's been some moments where I think we've been caught off guard. And, and not only did we not know what to do, but we didn't know what to say. And anywhere that's left you feeling discombobulated, man, we ask for your grace and your forgiveness. And we really do look into the days and weeks ahead and go, man, it looks different than it was, but we believe that the best is still yet to come. And so I just want to ask all of you to do three simple things. Number one, set aside a time every single day to pray for our church. You know, maybe maybe you set a, a reminder in your phone for the time that you used to show up at one of our venues. And that just becomes your time every day where you pray for unity, for wisdom, for strength, for courage, for effectiveness of mission. Pray every day. Number two, today take a step towards community. Hop online, ethoschurch.org forward slash at home. Raise your hand to host a group or or reach out if you want to be a part of a group and you don't know who to find. You can send us an email at share at ethoschurch.org. But take a step today toward community. We want to help you do that. And then last but not least, I'd encourage you every day to look for one person in your life who needs the hope of Jesus and just go above and beyond to show them how much they matter to God. And so pray every day, take a step toward community and with other people and keep living on mission. Mm -hmm. You know, right now in your homes, I want to encourage you to get the bread and to get the cup. 
And as you break the bread and as you take the cup, you're reminded that in the kingdom of God, so often victory feels like defeat. You know, as Jesus was dying on the cross, he was giving the greatest victory that humanity had ever experienced, that, that death is not the end, that, that we can grieve the reality of the moment that we're in and also look with resurrection hope and anticipation mm-hmm. uh, toward what is coming. And so as you break the bread, as you reflect on Jesus' life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his return, we encourage you to confess your sins, pray for our church, pray for what God's doing, and then we'll end our time with worship. And so, Brandon, would you just pray over our church family as we take communion together? Yeah, let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thanks for just our amazing church family, the men and women and children scattered all over the city, all over the globe. We pray your richest blessings on them. God, I pray that you'd fill them afresh with just hope and excitement about this. God, that not only we believe in them, but you believe in them, God, and you've empowered them. You've filled them with the Spirit. You've There's something that comes alive in us when, when we start doing the work of reaching our friends that don't know Jesus, and we start living into the giftings and callings that you've put on our lives. And so, God, let this be a wave of, of joy and excitement and all for your glory. And so as we break the bread, as we drink the cup, Jesus, fix our eyes on you, the one who gives us confidence, God, the one who gives us all this hope. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. We love you, church family. Let's take communion together, and then we'll end our time with worship and some important announcements.